Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, wanted to recap yesterday's amazing Rose Bowl game. Uh, it was the last Rose Bowl that will be in sort of that traditional sense of either being the last uh, football game of the season for one team or a college football playoff semifinal as the game yesterday was Michigan and Alabama playing for the right to play in the college football playoff national championship game. Moving forward, in the uh, 12 team playoff, it will be a quarterfinal game, effectively a second round, uh, playoff game. Still significant, but obviously not the same significance as perhaps a championship game or a, a semifinal game. But, uh, the game was just an absolute classic. It went into overtime. Michigan beating, um, Alabama. 27 to 20. Uh, and, and while the game was unfolding, certainly when the first quarter, uh, was beginning and unfolding and, and you had very close to it a, a, a pick on the first drive of the game that got called back. It, it was one of those games where you knew it was going to be special. And so, um, just so happy that that was the last sort of traditional Rose Bowl, um, getting two of the all-time most storied franchises programs in college football going head-to-head, you know, 7-7 seven to seven after the first quarter, uh, very closely contested game, uh, and then 20-20, to 20, uh, Michigan tying it up late, pushing it into overtime, and then scoring a touchdown uh, to win it 27-20, to 20, and they advance now to the college football playoff national championship game in Houston next week on Monday to play Washington. And we'll talk about Washington and their run in the second half, but just wanted to um, recap for you uh, how yesterday uh, unfolded, but I wanted to also play for you some sound uh, from uh, the post game press conference as well. We were out there uh, just again, you cannot beat New Year's Day at the Rose Bowl and the sunset during the fourth quarter, uh, the sun coming down uh, behind the San Gabriel Mountains as 96,000 college football fans are watching their team play at the Rose Bowl. Uh, it is the reason that it is the gold standard. It is the granddaddy of them all. Uh, and uh, the game yesterday certainly lived up to all the hype that had, that, that it had coming um, you know, that, that it had coming um, into the game. It, it, it was really one of the best 
Rose Bowl games that, that I had seen. So uh, without further ado, uh, let's now hear from the University of Michigan, led by head coach Jim Harbaugh during their post-game press conference. And then we will open up the floor for questions. Please raise your hand, state your name and affiliation when asking a question. We have mic runners on both sides of the room. Coach Harbaugh? Harbaugh, I'll start with you. Thank you. Um, happy New Year. A great way to start the, the new year off. And uh, glorious. That was glorious. It was a tremendous football game. Congratulate uh, Alabama on a terrific game. And they're... Uh, their great players and coaching staff and their, their fans. Um, that was an epic game and uh, glorious is uh, how I feel. That was a uh, tremendous win. Thanks, Coach. Our first question will come here from the front. Thank you, Coach Harbaugh, Jim Trotter, The Athletic. Wanted to ask you, you talk a lot about getting to the apex and you're as close as you've ever been on the collegiate level. I wonder what this moment means for you and what it would mean for you if you were to take that final step and win the national championship. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks, Jim. It, it's, it's, uh, it's what it means to these guys, to our players the most, um, to them to be champions, um, for their parents to have their son be a champion, their brothers and sisters, their grandparents, um, for our coaches, uh, for my kids, uh, to have a dad, you know, be, be a champion, and and uh, and my parents, and just just those people to get to get to feel what that's like. And it's more. It's that's kind of long gone for me. Uh, it's just you know my my joy, my my ecstatic joy is for. For our players and our coaches and our and our fans and our families, uh, that they get to experience that uh, that joy of being a champion. Our next question comes here from the front on the left. Steve Kornacki, Kornacki Wolverine Report. Oh, I better keep this. Jim, you guys have gained 41 yards offense in the second half until that last drive when your backs were totally to the wall. What enabled you guys to have the, have the drive you had to tie it up? And if it could be a two-part question, talk about what Blake did on the, on the game when he touched up. Um, I would just say, you know, credit to a great defense. You know, they played tremendous. They had a great game plan for us. And, you know, it's just all about focusing on the next play, one play at a time, and just staying in the present moment and just worrying about the assignment that you have to go out there and execute. And, you know, we weren't really getting things going, but that never bothered us because it's all in the past and we're just focusing on staying in the present and controlling the future. So, uh, you know, to answer your second question, you know, that's everything that I see out of Blake on a day-to-day -day basis and everything that Blake is, you know, when everyone's tired, when it's overtime, he's going to be the guy that shows out, just like he does in sprints when we run him in the off season. So, you know, it was nothing new for me. It was just amazing the world got to see it. Yeah, I would just say that... <clears throat> You know, it's just the way this team is built, um, and the way how connected they are as as players, and and we are as a team. It's it's unanimous support for each and every guy, and um, you know, it's almost been an unfair advantage. I mean, all the things that that uh, you know that the team has gone through. I mean, we don't care anymore. We don't care what people say. We don't care about. Uh, um, anything that comes up we just know we're going to overcome it 
because uh, it's unanimous support from uh, every single guy on the team. Blake, uh, <laughs> the best. I mean, uh, there's nobody, nobody we love more than Blake. Let's get Blake up here. Um, yeah, this, and the guys up front, I mean, the front seven in the defense, um, the coverage on the back end, our offensive line, our tight ends, our running backs, you know, just the, the physicality. That was two, two teams that were really physical, really tough teams up front. I really th felt this game was, you know, was if ever a game was going to be won up front, it was going to be run one with the, with uh, with toughness and physicality, and and uh, our guys were were just were just there in rhythm and uh, and got it done, and uh, epic game, epic game. But uh, it's the togetherness, I guess. What people don't know, they how could they know? You know, how could they know what the togetherness is like? And there's just there's just nothing that can separate these guys. Our next question comes from the gentleman on the plaque. And Blake is the, he's the huge, I mean, he's the, in, in so many ways, JJ is the glue, Junior's the glue, Blake's the glue, uh, and I could, name, I could name you 50 other guys that are, are the glue, but I mean, it is, it is so tight. Everybody. Our next question will be right up here in the front. Hey guys, John W. Davis with the Orange County Register and the Southern California News Group right up here in the front. Uh, this question's for JJ and Junior. Uh, JJ, I'll start with you. You told me at media day that you've been staying up late preparing for these games. Uh, did you prepare for a fourth quarter and an overtime like this? And then Junior, you know, how much did the defense manifest, you know, those stops to win this game? Um, yeah, you know, just having the month that we had to prepare you know I just wanted to leave no stone unturned you know going back to 2017 2018 2019 all the way up into the present moment just you know making sure that I was locked in on all cylinders in every situation fourth quarter overtime fourth down and that big uh, completion to Blake you know just everything about it was just making sure I was the most prepared guy on the field so I can go out there and help my teammates the best I can first off all glory to God but uh you just, you just got to see the way our defense practices, the way our defense trains to the ball, the way our defense, you know, prepares. It's always 11 on one. It's never one on 11. So, you know, that's the way we went out there and played, made those stops. You know, we're all playing guys. You know, we trust the guy next to us because we're, we're brothers, you know. Just like Coach said, we're, it's a big glue. It's a big glue. We trust each other. You know, just got to go out there and make our plays. Yeah. It also, I mean, you know, things that guys go through, I mean, they go through injury, they go through, they go through tough training environments, practices, games. You know, those are the situations that I'm talking about. And, and you know, those adversity, that's the adversity, you know. And it's uh, unfair because our guys, I mean, they train so hard, like Junior says. They practice so hard. They play so hard. And, uh, you know, it's their individual t mental toughness that gets them through. But it's also, it's also someone. It's also someone else, someone on the team, someone in their family, uh, their teammate or teammates that's just right there by their side, right there that, that has their back. And, um, and Ben Herbert, who's always there, right by their side. Um, he is an absolute, I mean, what, do you, what, what adjective could you, could you say? Assassin. Mm. Trained assassin. I, I, that resonates. That resonates, and and he's got he's got their backs, and it's so much credit to uh, Ben Herbert and his staff. 
you know, for, for putting us in those situations, putting us in those training, tough training environment situations. So when it comes to these situations, I was calm that, uh, that fourth quarter, that overtime. Um, I just felt like there's nothing that we couldn't overcome inside of this stadium today. Our next question will be all the way in the back on the right. This one's for Coach Harbaugh, Ryan Hennessy, WVTM, NBC, and Birmingham. That last play when Alabama had the ball, it looks like you guys went back and forth with timeouts. What did you see? And then when they finally snapped the ball, what did you guys see on defense? Yeah, we, we, we just had everybody in there. It was everybody. It was, uh, it was you know, we call it Twister, and uh, I mean, it was everybody, everybody there, everybody to the ball. I mean, Similar to Alabama, man. Every time you get inside the five-yard line, I mean, they, they're they're in zero every down. And uh, our favorite, my favorite play, <laughs> our favorite play, me JJ's favorite play. Uh, you know, got us in the end zone there when we really needed it. Um, but uh, yeah, we were just, it was just, we were just all out selling out and uh, you know playing for that. Well, let, let Junior go ahead, Junior. Why don't you describe it? <laughs> Uh, we were playing cover zero, you know, uh, you know, coach was telling us, you know, all the time, like, you know, this is the moment we were built for, this is the moment where, we you know, we could come out here and play for. And uh, we knew exactly what was going to happen, you know, it's like when, when the moments get tough, we, who you go to? You always go to your best player, and then we went to their best player, and we were right there to stop it, you know. So we were just, we sent the house, you know, I said, it's fourth down, it's one last play, everybody strain, everybody strain to the ball. Yeah, and so much credit to, to Jesse Mentor. Woo! And uh, yeah. yeah, and Sharon yeah. Moore, you know, Jay Harbaugh, all of, our, all of our coaches. Our next question comes from the second row here in the middle. The mic's coming over right here. <laughs> Stuart Mandel from The Athletic. For, for any or all of you, you know, you obviously represent the Big Ten when you go out there in a game like this. And this is the first time that a Big Ten team has beaten an SEC team in the playoffs since the first year in 2014. What does that mean to you guys? <laughs> it, it just means everything you know just think about how far we've come all the you know hardships that we went through as a team and as a brotherhood just being able to do it on this stage you know it's been 26 years since Michigan won in this building and you know the second most appearance out of any college in the entire country uh, playing in this game so you know it's just amazing the way it happened but you know ultimately it's everything that coach said we can't do it without the unity that we have everything that we went through this entire year it made us unbreakable and in the biggest moments we were going to show up we have time for two more questions. We'll do one more right here. Coach Harbaugh, right here in front of you. Um, LT looks at TT Sports TV One, playing in the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. What does it mean to you and your coaching staff? That's my first question. Glorious. Um, it was uh, right where we wanted to be. It's everything that we worked for, everything that we prepared for, everything we hoped for, uh, everything we trained and strained for it. And, and, uh, the team just was not going to be denied. J.J. said it when he walked off the same podium last year uh, in the semifinal game and said, we're going to be back. And uh, what he told me was, not only are we going to be back, we're going to win. And, uh, and, and there he did, you know. I mean, uh, and in overtime against Alabama, I think the last quarterback to win in overtime against Alabama was none other than Tom Brady. And... Uh, and I've said it before, but this is right here. This is this is the greatest quarterback in University of Michigan football, college football history. Uh, got a long way to go to get to 
to to uh, get where Tom Brady eventually got to, uh, which is the goat. I mean, he's <laughs> he's lapped the field when it comes to that. But uh, in a college career, uh, there's been nobody at Michigan better than than JJ. Um, and I know we, we we talk about an amalgamation of quarterbacks. Uh, he is he is he is that guy. And uh, and my guy Junior Colson, man. I mean, is it all worth it? I mean, it's always the training. It. It's always worth it. Always. It's always. Been, it's been worth it. And then my last question for JJ: Your offensive line, when you had to have ball control, run the football, able to throw the football. Talk about them. What made it so special for you to be back there, knowing that they guys don't give you time to make the play you have to make to win the game? I mean, the offense doesn't go unless those big boys go. And that's just been, you know, Coach Harbaugh mentioned it. This game was going to be one in the trenches. And I feel like, you know, they did a tremendous job taking out two great edge rushers, two great interior guys. You know, I've had people reach out to me, you know, like uh, Brad Nessler, great guy, love him. He said, watch out for 15 and 41, they're coming for you. And, uh, you know, I never really felt them all game just because of the tremendous job that Ladarius did and Trente did and, you know, Keegs, Nuge, Carson stepping up in a big-time role. Like, everything about that, you know, unit just meshes so well together, you know, through their adversity with Zach going down. And, you know, just all the credit goes to them. You know, that's that's the heartbeat of our team. You know, Blake would stand up here and say the same thing. Those big boys, we owe it all to them. The last question will be from Rachel right there in the second seat there. Hi, Rachel Bachman from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, congratulations, Coach. Uh, there's a lot of interest in your future. I wonder if you can tell me what the chances are that the championship game might be your last one at Michigan. <laughs> My future consists of a happy flight back to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Can't wait. All right. Uh, that was head coach Jim Harbaugh. Again, that was the way he answered all of the questions about the National Football League and about the Chargers. Uh, again, by, by the way, during this week, he certainly uh, put some fuel on that fire, um, hiring Don Yee to represent him. Again, Don Yee is the representative for uh, Sean Payton. Uh, he represented Tom Brady during his Hall of Fame career. So listen, I mean, if, if, if you're looking to, um, have someone negotiate your next, uh, contract in the National Football League, I think that Don Yee would be the perfect person. But, uh, the Michigan Wolverines also changed the venue for uh, their last practice going into the Rose Bowl. They had been practicing at Dig- Dignity Health Sports Park. Uh, they moved it into SoFi Stadium and, uh, that's obviously the home of the Chargers. So, uh, again, a lot of fuel to the fire, a lot of talk. Obviously, the Chargers are looking for a head coach. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, um, is perhaps maybe looking for a change. I mean, listen, if he wins a national championship, um, really putting a, a, a cherry on top of the, his amazing run with his, uh, school. Um, and, and again, there's a lot of talk about maybe sanctions coming down on him. And so some of the sanctions in, in particular are, are for things that would not even blink, uh, you would not bat an eye at if he was in. The National Football League. And so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of talk. You know, will the Chargers uh, go after Jim Harbaugh? I certainly think that they will. I think the bigger question is if they can uh, give him the contract that, that he's looking for. Again, I mean, Jim Harbaugh is in line to be the, the highest paid coach in football um, following the season, regardless of if they win 
the national championship and they are favored to do so. But certainly if they win, I mean, you're, you're talking about a, you know, 10 year, $120 million contract in, in, in that, that is a contract, by the way, that the Chargers have not historically given their coaches. I mean, they, they, they have not historically paid top dollar for their coaches. But I think, you know, now with them being in Los Angeles, them being at SoFi Stadium, uh, them moving into a new uh, practice facility in the South Bay. And when you look at the success that the Rams have had with Sean McVay and the fact that they made the playoffs this season, again, you got to remember this season began with talking about the Rams tanking for Caleb Williams and the Chargers maybe going on a playoff run. Well, the, the, the opposites happen. So um, I, I really think if you're the Chargers and you have the ability to hire a proven commodity, a guy who's going to come in, coming off of a championship, you have to do that. All right, let's leave it there for now. We'll uh, talk a little bit more about uh, this upcoming uh, college football national championship game when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the bet in Las Vegas of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. what drives everyone to make the most of every moment we celebrate living large in the now in a city where time disappears we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever we go big we go all night and here everyone is invited so get loose and get loud this is circa you'll have the time of your life This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, just or just a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. Uh, we wanted to play for you, uh, as we've been doing this uh, first week of uh, 2024, we, we wanted to recap some of our favorite interviews for 2023, and we wanted to play for you a, a great conversation our very own Adrian Hernandez had with WWE superstar Grayson Waller. Uh, so let's hear that conversation right now. Joining us to talk about it is an Aussie icon, the host of the Grayson Waller effect. It's Grayson Waller. And Grayson, first off, I'm glad to be talking to you because I'm going to be honest, if we go back to WrestleMania weekend in L.A., I missed you during the media day. It was a missed opportunity, but we're here now. And since then, Obviously, a lot of things have changed for you, and usually this is a question that I close out an interview with, but I'm going to start it right here as we close out the year. What's the one thing this year that you're proudest of professionally? Uh, you know, it's, it's been a crazy year. You know, NXT had some big things. You know, Johnny Gargano's stand and deliver was a highlight, even though I got, you know, my head beaten in. That's okay. Um, but I think for me personally, like, 
uh, having my broken leg on my last NXT match and still getting drafted and still being on TV every week with the talk show and, and getting through that broken leg and then somehow having my first main roster match in Madison Square Garden in the main event against a guy like Edge, like, it's very hard to beat that. And I think that's, that's one that will kind of like be hard to beat for the rest of my career. Yeah, it's a good thing to have when you have to decide between all these like great things. And, you know, one thing you didn't just mention is the John Cena moment at Money in the Bank, O2 London Arena. And, you know, getting ready for this interview, one of the things I appreciated, I went back uh, when you joined After the Bell on their podcast. And it was cool when they asked you about it. And you said, yeah, it was surreal. But this is also what I do this for. Like, this is where I expect to be and to be in those positions. Because, like, honestly, Earlier this year, I've always wanted to be on the radio. And one of those moments that was surreal for me is I got to interview The Undertaker. And I'm going to be honest with you. I had two seconds where I went, holy shit, I'm about to talk to The Undertaker. But then I instantly went like, no, I have an opportunity. I complain. I see everybody getting to interview people. Now it's time to work. I got the ball and let's make this work. Um, when it comes to that mentality of being like, no, I expect to be here. What do you like... What do you give credit to have that mentality? Because that's not an easy thing to have. No, and my thing is I'm a big sport fan. So I'll, I'll watch everything, uh, especially like American sports. And I watch a lot of sport documentaries, especially because like as an athlete myself, like I, I, I like to take a lot of my mindset from, from the greats. And, and when you go back through history and you see these greats, you see them early on in their careers. When they came up, when they were a rookie, they weren't acting like a rookie. You know, when they get in there, like, now you see it with some of the guys in the NBA. When your first game is against LeBron James, you can either be a fan and ask for an autograph, and he'll show you no respect. He'll run over the top of you, and you'll never perform like you're supposed to. Or you can go in, see him as a peer, and be like, I want to beat that guy. Um, and that's when you're kind of at your best. And that's for me personally. Like, I like to have a chip on my shoulder. I like to, to, to kind of be fired up and... Um, Coming to the main roster, I think you can get caught in the headlights pretty easy, especially because once you're up here, everyone's big. Everyone's a big star. Um, and I, I think if you treat some of these legends with too much respect, you're on the wrong side of the guardrail. You should go buy a ticket, you know? You should go buy a ticket to watch The Undertaker's show um, it, rather than being in the ring opposite them. So I think the best form of respect for me personally is to go at them as hard as possible because I think that's what they deserve. They've laid the, the groundwork. They're the reason I'm here. Well, I'm going to come in and, and give you my best. No, nah, I love that mentality. And, you know, talking about being called up to the roster this year, um, I can imagine it's a totally different environment. All right. <laughs> You're not 10 minutes away from where the show's always done. You're on the road an unimaginable amount of time. Um, and, you know, every show is different. Things can change in an instant. What's been the hardest part? Has it been the travel, trying to find the gym, maintaining, like, your body and all that stuff? What's been the hardest part of being on the road for all these shows? Yeah, no, tra travel's definitely the hardest part because, like, the wrestling and the perform that's the fun part. You know, we get to go out in front of 10,000 people every week and put on a performance. Like, that's a lot of fun. Hanging backstage with the boys, that's a lot of fun. Like, the SmackDown roster's great. I got my boy Theory. I got my boys Pretty Deadly, like... I got mates up there, so it's like that's the fun part. The hard part is when you know you've you've fought Kevin Owens for twenty minutes on TV. Your back hurts, your rib hurts, your face hurts because he punched you. And then you got to drive four and a half hours to the next show. You get there like three in the morning, four in the morning. And then you got to wake up, and as you said, then you got to go to the gym. Then you got to try and fight food. Like the the schedule is wild, but like it's all worth it because of those shows. You get to go out and have fun, but. Uh, you definitely have to be a bit more proactive about taking care of yourself and taking care of your body. 
Yeah, and or you got to spend time doing interviews with people like me. But we appreciate it, Grayson. Thank you. Um, one thing I I'm think that's here, been... I'm just here so I don't get fined, you know? Hey, <laughs> I love the sports references. You know, I was I like, I'm going to be... Look, before the interview, I was like, am I going to ask him about Draymond Green? Not only because of the chokehold and then what happened <laughs> last night. Did you see the punch? The spinning back fist, man. He's been watching some UFC, old, old Draymond, and it's always by accident, right? You could never purposely give someone by a spinning back fist at all. He uh, he plays basketball like it's not on television. It's the craziest thing. But anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, what? Me? No. What? What are you talking about? You know? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy. Can't wait to see him on the Grace of Waller effect. Maybe at Mania coming up. We'll see. Um, one thing that's been cool, like particularly with you, is, you know, obviously um, there's people that weren't in tune with NXT and you get called up. And, you know, every time you were on television, it felt like everyone's like, yo, this guy can hang. This guy's impressive. And the buzz was was getting bigger and bigger every time you were on TV. But also with that buzz is the comparisons. And I know early on, you know, people were like MJF or The Miz. And to be honest, I'm like, that's kind of lazy. Just because they're white dudes that are coming out with some swagger doesn't mean that they're all the same thing. Like, they're all approaching it differently if you really sit back and listen to them. Um, do you feel like you've kind of broke through those comparisons and kind of, you know, uh, found yourself and found your footing? I, to be honest, I, I, I think I did that straight away. But for, I always say people online... They don't really have much creativity when it comes to, you know, talking trash. Cause that's all people do on, you know, online. They talk trash. So the, the most basic form of trash talk is comparison. That's what I feel, you know. And what I'm going to complain because they're comparing me to The Miz, you know, a WrestleMania main eventer, a guy who's won a bunch of championships, been doing this like nearly two decades. Like, I'm going to complain because they compare me to MJF, who's incredible on the mic and very good in the ring. Like, when the comparisons are like that, I'm not going to complain, but... I think Miz and MJF and myself, we've all talked about it. Like, there is no real comparison, as you said, you know. We're just guys who go out, we're super confident, and we say what we need to say. But we're all individuals. Um, so the comparisons are what they are. Um, if I start getting compar compared to, like, some flops who are terrible, then I'll start stressing. Then I'm going to start worrying about it. But for now, like, I'm out doing my own thing, and uh, that, that noise doesn't enter my head. No, I love to hear it. Uh, you talk about noise. Perfect lead-in. I like the synergy of this interview. Um, the crazy year that you've had has also involved uh, a Taylor Swift saga uh, with the Swifties. Um, also an incident uh, with the, a dude jumping the barricade. So if I could compare the two, what was crazier? Uh, you know, I, I like having fun. I'm very good at what I do. You know, uh, one of my talents is I'm very good at getting under people's skin. Like, I know exactly what I have to say. I have control in those moments. So, you know, somehow I had a guy jump the guardrail trying to attack me, but uh, I think I was in more fear for my life with the Swifties, man. They're a little bit more terrifying, you know. These 45-year-old women, man, they go in hard. They, they're still commenting on my Instagram photos. Um, uh, but, you know, that's, that's part of the fun of what I do. I enjoy that. I, my job in my head is to get a reaction out of you. And it's not a positive one. I couldn't care less if you like me. I don't want you to cheer me. I don't want you to tell me I'm good. I want you to hate me. And, and that's something I'm very, very good at. I uh, I saw a 10-minute TikTok video of someone, like, dissecting your life and being like, this teacher who was on Survivor, and now he's a wrestler. What a douchebag. How dare he? Um, and also, I joked about it when I laughed. But seriously, if you're going to the show in Vegas or wherever, please don't jump over the barricade for the safety of everyone. 
Get it together. It's also one of the stupidest things you could do going into an NFL field, a WWE ring. Like, what are you doing? But we'll move on. Um, you, you talk about guys on the mic that speak their mind. Of course, here's the question that you knew was coming. CM Punk is back. He returned. So part one of this question is, what was the feeling backstage? Because I was at the show and I actually had to go behind. Like, I had to argue with security to go backstage because they're like, nope, you can't cut. Something's happening. Um, so how was that? And then two, um, I know that I, I don't believe you guys have a connection point. Um, so, like, what's your overall feeling that he's joined the company? So the thing is, like, uh, the, the Internet, I, I didn't realize how wrong the Internet was about everything until I came to WWE and I was actually backstage and saw some things. You know, I, I don't think there's anything but positive energy about CM Punk coming back. The entire roster right now is, is is great from top to bottom. Everyone's challenging each other. Everyone wants to be the top guy, but no one's stepping on anyone to get there. Maybe me. You know, I don't mind doing that. But everyone's kind of working together. We we want this product to succeed, and I think that's what's happening. So I think everyone's buzzing to have him back. Why would you not want to have this guy who can cut in, incredible promos, who can have great matches, who the crowd wants to see, who's super controversial? Like, if you don't want him back here, like, you're stupid type of thing. Um, and for me personally, you know, I said some things online about Punk when I heard the rumors. I like to play with the rumors and have some fun and that type of thing. Um, and, and I got to meet him recently, and then that's, that's all I'll say on that. But uh, I, I, I was trained in NXT originally by Ace Steel, who was obviously Punk's coach as well. So, like, I, I know the type of training that he went through. Ace Steel's a, a great trainer, man. He's very hard-nosed, very, very to the point. He got me a lot of my first matches in NXT. So, you know, I, I have nothing but positive things to say about Ace. And nothing but positive things to say currently about Punk, um, but I'm sure that'll change uh, in the future. Without pardon the interruption on the interview, real quick, we have to show some love to the people that are helping make this content possible. Zipchair and ZipchairGaming.com. Holiday season is here, y'all. If you want to go extra on the gift, get all the brownie points and really come up clutch this holiday season, I have a suggestion. Zipchair.com. Go there, find your partner or yourself, whoever, the perfect chair for their office, their gaming area, their cubicle, whatever the case, or you want the recliner, you want the bar stool, you want the man cave for the house to really get the perfect thing, to really seal in the best man cave in the neighborhood, zipchair.com, use that discount code Adrian to save yourself 10%. And hey, if your partner has a favorite team, why don't you slap on the team's logo on it? With Zipchair, it's possible. Customizable from the logos to the comfortability. And as a big guy, it has the triple XL seal of approval. Zipchairgaming.com. Use that discount code, Adrian. Yeah, caveat on the currently, and we'll leave it at there. Um, and you talk about the locker room as well. Um, for me, I was lucky enough. I've been able to travel with you guys a little bit. I was in Puerto Rico for Backlash uh, was cool for me, my homeland. I hadn't been there for years. And the amount of pride that I had being there was... It's any wrestling show, I'm always comparing it to the crowd that was there in Puerto Rico and the pride that was in that arena. Yeah. Um, for you, I want to talk to you about the pride that you have with, you know, the, uh, the Aussie presence on the main roster and throughout WWE. And obviously, I know Royal Rumble's coming up. But I know you have that calendar circled for Elimination Chamber going back home. Like, just talk to me about all that. Yeah, it, it, it's been great seeing, you know, Rhea killing it, Indy killing it. 
um, Bronson Reed killing it. Like, Raw's got some Aussie flavour about it. And then I kind of ca- carried on my back on Fridays. Um, but I- I'm glad to see so many Aussie talent doing so well because the Australian wrestling talent has always been world-class. People just haven't seen it. So I'm hoping we get more over here. But uh, for me, like, Elimination Chamber in a lot of ways is my WrestleMania. I've never been on a WrestleMania before. Obviously, that's a huge goal of mine for next year in Philly. But that Elimination Chamber show, like, that, that's, that's my show. I think... When it comes to all the Australian talent, I'm, I rock the Australian flag on all my gear. Like, I think I'm as Australian as it comes, and I really want to perform on that show in front of that crowd, in front of my friends, in front of that family. Uh, it, it, it's very motivating, extremely motivating. And I know, like, we saw, like, Zelina in Puerto Rico and how much that meant to her in that moment. And it, it, it's cool that a lot of us are getting those opportunities to wrestle in front of our hometowns and not just do it on, like, a live event or anything, like, do it in these big shows with these big moments and big matches. Yeah, with uh, over 50,000 tickets sold so far, it's going to be incredible. Uh, speaking of tickets, WWE's Holiday Tour is coming here to Vegas, MGM Grand Garden Arena, last Friday of the year, December 29th. Get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Uh, a few more minutes before we let you go, and thank you so much for the time, Grayson. Uh, for those Americans that are making the trip to Australia, do you have any tips, and also, do you have an American accent? Can we hear it? <laughs> uh my tip would be, like, especially at the time in February, like, you're going to love life. I mean, obviously, the Vegas people, you know, you guys have nice weather over there. Florida's pretty decent. But February in Australia, that's a perfect time to come. Weather's nice. Like, it's not too hot. The beaches are beautiful. Like, my, my, my thing would just be take advantage of it. And, they, mate, the American dollar, you almost double your money going to Australia. It's a beautiful thing, you know. My, every time I look at my, my salary, I go, oh, I'm going to convert it to Australian dollars and make me feel good about myself, you know. Um uh, American accent, like, uh, it's very basic. You know, it's almost annoying. I can do, like, the American girls, like, oh, sometimes, like, they're very pretty, but, oh, sometimes it struggles. Like, oh, my God, like, can we please go to Starbucks before we keep... And it's like, oh, yeah, but it's just like, you know, have you seen the show Big Mouth? Yes, 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 yes. I can't remember the girl's name on it, the blonde girl, but that's how every American sounds in my head. Uh, you know, very, very nasally, can be very annoying as well. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I, I do also want to mention uh, NXT and kind of your NXT pride. You know, obviously, you this this NXT class that got called up to the main roster. Mm-hmm. You guys have been very impressive. You, Zoe, to name a few. Um, but then some of those that are still at NXT, um, it, it's been cool to see. Like, you can pinpoint your match with AJ Styles as, like, the starting point of some of the main roster coming down and NXT had their WrestleMania a couple months ago <laughs> with everyone being on the show. Um, how do you just feel about, like, watching all that and some of the opportunities that they're getting? It, it, it's very cool to see. And, you know, I, I try my best. My schedule's a little bit wilder now, but it's like I try my best to, to kind of head down there and kind of see everyone because it's it's not just – obviously, you got guys like Melo and Braun who have been killing it for a long time and, you know, are probably ready for the main roster, but, you know, we're just waiting for those opportunities, you know. Uh, but the coolest thing is seeing all these new people coming in and start smashing it straight away. You know, I was kind of there for their first, for their tryouts for some of them. Some of them there for their first matches inside the PC. And now seeing them on NXT TV is very, very cool. Like there's the men's breakout tournament at the moment. There's a lot of those guys that like, I got to help out early on. You know, I got to see early on and, and, and give them some advice and get in there for some of their first matches and things like that. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's cool seeing the newer guys and girls kill it so early, you know, get these big opportunities. I think Trick, Trick's another one that's like, 
I think everyone down there knew how good Trick was for a very long time. Um, but it was just, he just had to wait for that opportunity. And I know he's not a patient guy. I know he wants the world because um, that's the kind of guy he is. And I love that energy. Um, but I think it's all worked out for the best. And it's just cool seeing everyone succeed. Hey, you talk about people who've picked stuff up early. Tiffany Stratton, my God, like, yeah. it's insane. Um, and if I could ask you a nerdy question, um, and it involves uh, NXT, for those that don't know, uh, you didn't just show up on WWE television. You put years into this. You're working the indies in Australia. Um, and obviously, NXT has kind of gone the NIL route. Mm -hmm. Could you talk to me about, I guess, kind of some of the plus and minuses? It's funny. You know, in the radio, now they're giving opportunities to people who are, like, popping on Instagram and TikTok and being like, you got followers, bring them to yeah. the station. And NIL, you got these athletes. But I do think there's something about going through the trials and tribulations of the indies and performing at these shows with 10 people mm -hmm. or a hundred and this, that, and the third. Could you kind of talk to me about those dynamics? Yeah. And, and, and I'll, I'll be honest, like early on as an independent wrestler, like I hated it. I thought it was a stupid idea because you get independent talent, you bring them on and they're ready to go then a lot of them. But then I kind of got involved a little bit more. I got involved with the tryouts and got to go and help out. I talked to the guys kind of running the NIL program. I got to go out to different colleges and do the NIL stuff. Uh, and it completely changed my perception because now you're going out and you're getting the best athletes in the country. You know, you you have the guys who go to the NFL, NBA, whatever it is, the Olympics. There's a crop just under that talent level that doesn't really have many things to do, but they're almost at that level. Like, they're so close. So then they'll be bringing them in. There's nothing but positives. You talked about Tiffany. I got to work with her early on. We had a fun little tag run. Um, she came from that program. She came, she was an athlete and now she's absolutely killing it. There's so many different guys and girls who are very similar. Um, so for me personally, I think the NIL program is, is fantastic. The issue is, is you, you bring in these kids and some of them don't have any respect for wrestling. They don't know what it is and they don't put any effort into finding out what it is before they get there. And that's like, that's just for any job. If I'm going for a job interview, I'm going to find out who the manager is. I'm going to find out who the boss is, a little bit of history. And some of these kids come in and they have no respect for what we do. Um, and they expect to be on TV in, in, in six weeks. They don't know who any of the talent is. I could tell you some wild stories about questions people have asked that would blow your mind, but I'm not here to, you know, say any mean things. But so, so if you come in, you come in with the right attitude and you work hard, like, you're going to kill it. All right, that was our very own Adrian Hernandez talking to WWE superstar Grayson Waller. Uh, again, you, you're, you're going to want to stay tuned to what our very own Adrian Hernandez is going to be doing with the WWE uh, this year. It's going to begin in Tampa at the Royal Rumble. Going to continue on to Philadelphia for WrestleMania. So a lot of uh, great conversations to look forward to. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.